The greatest commission that Christ ever gave was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. If there was ever a time for the gospel that can transform the human heart, it's now. Time is short. The gospel alone has light for a world of darkness. The gospel alone has a remedy for the world's sickness. The gospel alone has life for the world's death. This gospel could transform individuals, and those individuals could transform society. We have come in this generation and stopped short. But Christ said, go. Yeah, how we doing, church? Good? So good to see everybody today. I want to take a minute. I want to welcome everybody who is watching online right now at this moment. And, of course, everybody who's over at that South Side, South Campus, South Campus, we love you. We love you there. We love you here. We love you everywhere. And the best way we can do, uh, show you that we love you is by clapping for you. So, come on, would you clap for that person sitting next to you or in front of you or behind you? Yeah. Glad you guys are here. Thanks for watching with us. Today, um, I just want to echo what was said during announcements about the dessert tours. Come hang out in the space with us. We are so excited about this new opportunity God has given us. I can't wait to show it to you. So when you come into the space, it's pretty much, it's pretty much taken all the way down to the studs right now. Um, but we've got big renderings and uh, all over the building. We walk through it. Amazing desserts. Uh, but it is, it is a really inspiring experience. Every time we do one of these dessert tours, I just leave fired up. Like, I'm like, I could do this every night of the week because we're sharing vision, we're sharing history, and it is a, it's just a good time, all right? So literally, we are, we are literally almost filled up uh, with our, with our sign-ups, but here's the deal. If you go to sign up and it says you can't sign up anymore, you come talk to me, Okay. <laughs> I'll make it happen, all right? I'll get you in there. But um, I want you to see it. I want you to be a part of it. Um, it's so, it's so cool. It's, it's, it's inspiring because we're just seeing how God is moving because God has something that he wants to do. God is doing it, and he's not done. And if you believe it, say, I do. Man, that's just so, so inspiring. All right, well, we, we're going to have a great morning, all right? We've got a great, uh, some great content today. We're in this series called launch. And we're talking about how the gospel launches us forward, okay? So we're doing a deep dive in understanding what the gospel means. What does it actually mean? Talk about it a lot. There's a whole genre of music called gospel music. What does the gospel even mean? And that's what we've been unpacking over the last few weeks. We talked about, as we kicked off our 30 for 30, how God wants us to line up with him and obey. And as we do that, there's blessing there. But there's also frustration there. Have you ever tried to follow God and struggled in your follow? The answer is yes, all of us, right? And so we've been talking about how the answer to that frustration station is called the gospel. The gospel is the starting point. It's the middle point. It's the finish point. It's what helps propel us forward in all that God has for us. And it's simple. The gospel is this. Jesus saves Jesus saves. It's the most powerful idea. It's the most powerful reality. The grace of God, the work of God, the power of God changing us, inspiring us, and then helping us to live this thing out. And it's awesome. So if you missed any of these messages, I want to encourage you to go online, check it out. They all build on each other. 
But what we've been talking about is how the gospel works itself out. This isn't about making ourselves be Christians. This is about letting God change us. And we talked about last week how where this gets evidenced is in our love for each other, all right? So you look at these disciples. These disciples start as revolutionary hotheads, all right? They're ready to take on Rome. They're ready to, 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 to swing the sword. They're ready to throw the spear. And then when Jesus gets a hold of them, they're saying things like, let us love one another. So they totally change, and the result of the gospel change is love. And so that's what we talked about last week. If you missed any of these, go online, check them out, go to our app. They will help you. What I want to do today is I want to kind of tease that idea out a little bit because where you see the gospel expressing itself in the group of early church believers is understanding that as they grow in the Lord, they grow in the expression of their love for each other. And there is no growing up without the expression of love. So today we're going to be talking about growing on up. Everybody say growing on up. Everybody, let's try that again. How about at both locations, everybody say, growing on up. There we go. That, that's, a, that's it. All right. So what I want to talk about is, is growing on up because what God wants for all of us is not to be stuck in spiritual infancy our whole lives. God wants us to mature. God wants us to grow. And he doesn't want us to be a toddler. Now, tod nothing wrong with toddlers. Nothing against toddlers. Toddlers are cute. I have a toddler right now, okay? Eden, she's three. She's amazing. I love that sweet little fiery thing. Ooh, she's fiery. Oh, my gosh. Seriously, if you have extra prayer time at all, at any point, just pray for Jen and I, okay? Because, whoo, she is testing our parenting skills. Um, but she's, she's amazing. We love her. But she's three, and there's certain things that she's going to do now that she won't do when she's 23, in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there's some things she will grow up. But as long as she's little, sometimes we actually like to keep her little. Like, sometimes she'll say things that are, like, she'll say things wrongly that are just fun. They're just cute. And we don't correct her. And if you try correcting her, like, I will tackle you, you know, because it's like, it's like, while she's saying this cute wrong thing, we want to keep her saying it. So it's just fun. So anyways, yesterday, we're at Zach Green's, Zach and Caitlin Green's gender reveal party uh, yesterday. It was really fun. Um, and I don't know if it's gone public yet, so I'm not going to say anything. It, it has. Okay, we're getting the reports. It's a girl. Okay. It's a girl. And it's a miracle. The whole thing was a miracle. It was so much fun. The whole experience was amazing. Uh, if that hasn't gone public, I'm holding this whole section <laughs> responsible. Zach, I'm sorry. At South Campus, I'm sorry. All right. Um, uh, but no, it's, uh, it was so much fun. It was a great time just being with people. Uh, it was really, really good. And so Eden, she was having uh, what we like to call a moment. How I many know toddlers have moments <laughs> from time to time? She's having a moment. She was kind of done. So she's ready to go home. And uh, so she's like, dad, hold me. And I don't want to talk to anybody. And I'm just going to be like, yes. And so like, you know, she's going to want to make eye contact and all this. So I'm, I'm holding her. And uh, I'm like, hey, Zach, you know, let's tell Zach congrats. And she, you know, she's not, she won't make eye contact. I was like, come on. He's going to have a baby girl. That's so exciting. She's like, no, I'm not. You know, and so I was like, all right, come on, look at him. And so she kind of looks at him and says, McGrath. So she says, McGrath. I'm like, that's cute. 
We're going to keep that going. So McGrath, yeah, that's, that's our new thing, right? Um, it was cute yesterday. How many of you know in 20 years it's not cute anymore? Like how many know in 20 years if we're still at gender reveal parties and she's having meltdowns and wanting dad to hold her, <laughs> not looking people in the eye and saying congrats like an adult, it's going to be weird, What's cute now will be weird then. We, we all need to grow up. Can I get an amen? How many of you know that life experience does not equate to maturity? How many know you can get older and not get any more mature? It's true, isn't it? How many know someone who's 35 who acts like they're four? Anybody? Come on, at both locations. How many of you sitting next to that person? Just raise your hand. Don't do it. Don't, don't raise your hand. Don't. How many of you are that person, though, sometimes? <laughs> you know, like, it's like, I think I'm acting like a four-year-old right now. You probably are if you're asking that question. We can be that way sometimes. But God doesn't want us to be that way, especially spiritually. And spiritually, it can happen. Spiritually, it can happen. When you first give your heart to Christ... Uh, the Bible actually calls it like being, the Bible calls it being born again. So this, this idea of, of maturing and growth is, is all woven into spirituality. So it's like being born again, and then, and then there's infant talk all throughout the Bible, and, and, and then growing and all this. So the, new Christians are amazing. Have you ever been around a new Christian? Like it is, they, like it is so much fun. Like everything is so real to them. I mean, like they walk out of church and, and you're just like, oh, this is, the, this is the best place ever. You know, like that was amazing. The music, the lights, the message, the, ah, it was incredible. Like, they're like, oh, I'm seeing God everywhere. God's answering prayer. They're just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It's so much fun being around a new Christian, isn't it? They're optimistic, they're faith-filled, God's answering prayer. We should all remember what that feels like and get there. But here's what's true about a new Christian is that they, they haven't had any adversity to their faith yet, right? So they haven't, had, they haven't learned how to deal with that. And so they haven't, like, they haven't had to question their faith yet. And, and, oh, um, and, they, and, and so sometimes what can happen with the new Christian is that that they, can, they like Jesus, but they also like a lot of things, so they can get led astray. And so maturity needs to happen. Now, let me just throw this out. I want to ask a question. I'm going to answer it, but I want, I want to plant a seed with you. For a new Christian, what do you think, what do you think is the way that they get mature? Just don't answer out loud in case you're wrong. Uh, but what, just think about this for a moment. What do you think a new Christian, what do you think a new Christian would, would need in order to become mature? Because God's, mature, God's goal is maturity. Let me read this for you in Ephesians chapter 4. Because Paul is going to say this to us. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. We're going to be in here. If you have your phones, pull up Ephesians 4. I'm literally going to go verse by verse today explaining this. So I want you to open up your Bibles to Ephesians 4 if you would. But let me read this. This is where he ends or kind of almost wraps up this passage right here. He says, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves. So he's saying hey, you, there's infants and they're tossed back and forth, blown here and there by every wind of teaching 
and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. He says, we will grow. Everybody say grow. In every respect, the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. So he's saying, I want you to be mature. There is a way you get mature. Normally, what a lot of people think the answer to maturity is more knowledge, more training, more discipleship. Now, let me just say this. Nothing wrong with knowledge. Nothing wrong with theology. Theology is very important. A sound theology is very important. But what's interesting is Paul will talk about this not once but multiple times. He'll say things like this that he says in 1 Corinthians 8. Knowledge puffs up while love builds up. He says knowledge puffs up, but but love actually builds up. And I really saw this when I went to Bible school. So I uh, went to Springfield to, to go to Bible school, and my youth pastor, before I left, he said something. He, got, he, he pulled me aside, and he's like, hey, listen, when you go to Bible school, it's really important that you don't backslide. Okay, so now that's if you're, not, if you're new to church, backslide is kind of like this idea of you're in the faith, and then you kind of fall away from the faith, all right? So he's like, hey, listen, don't do that. Don't, don't get in church don't go to Bible school and backslide. I'm like, how do you do that? You're literally going to learn about the ministry. You're praying all the time. You're studying all the time. Surely backsliding's impossible. But he's like, I want you to get involved in a church. There's a newer church there called James River Church. And I want you to get involved there. And so I was literally on the front row of James River we moved down on Saturday. I was in the front row Sunday. I was at youth on Wednesday. We started school on Thursday. <laughs> so I was in. And so I was serving all the time. I was there all the time. And here's what I saw. This is my personal experience. This is what I saw with a lot of my classmates. They were in the same classes. They were learning a lot of Bible. They were learning a lot about God. But they weren't, in, they weren't going to church. I was in church all the time. I was in church more than I was in school. But they weren't going to, ch- they weren't, they were, or maybe they would go to church because they had to. You had to like check out, like in Bible school, it's kind of a requirement. You got to go to church. But the thing about Springfield is there's like 800 churches in Springfield. <laughs> it's like very unique, not 800, but close. There might be actually 800. Uh, there's a ton of churches in Springfield. And so my friends, they, they would just, they, would, they looked at it kind of like going to the movies. You know, like, oh, man, did you know they're having a guest speaker at this church this week? Oh, we got to go check him out. He's hilarious. You know, so they go to that church. Or like, oh, man, they got a guest worship team over at this church. Let's go check them out. Or, oh, man, the donuts at this church over here, they're amazing. And if you act like you're a first-time guest, they'll give you two. Like, it's a whole thing. Like, they're just working it, right? Like, just working the church angle. Like, oh, it's like going to the movies. This is amazing. This is great. But you know what they weren't doing? They weren't getting connected to anybody. So they weren't loving anybody. They weren't serving anybody. And in the course of not doing any of that, they lost the passion for ministry. They lost the passion for ministry. And then then what ended up happening is they lost their passion for God as well. 
And I saw it lived out. My, past, my youth pastor told me I saw it lived out, and it has everything to do with understanding our role in the body of Christ, our body, the body of Christ. Now, that's, that's the church. That's the church. And let me show you how the gospel, when it works itself out, it works itself out in our hearts. It's, ex- it, it's expressed through love, and that love starts in the church. Now, let me read this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. This is right from the Bible. I'm not making this up. This is right from the Bible. Paul the Apostle. This is Holy Spirit inspired scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read it and then I'd like to come back and read it all together. Like say it out loud. But let me read it to you then we'll say it out loud. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Okay? So you think, you're the body of Christ, everybody, and each one of you is a part of him. Will you read that with me? Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You can kind of tell we don't do this very often at Summer Park. Let's try that again with some strength, okay? Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now turn to the person next to you, okay? Look them in the eye, okay? And say this, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. All right, now the other person, turn to the other side of you, the other person that you didn't like, obviously, as much as the person you just looked at. Um, And say it with me. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. That's all, y'all. That's everybody. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have got a part in this thing. Now, let me just break this down. What's he talking about? There's two, there's two references to church or body of, the Christ, or body of Christ. First is the big C. We call this the big C. That's the church, everybody in the whole world that's a part of the kingdom of God that loves Jesus and serves Jesus. That's one team. That is the team that we are on. And let me just say this, we are all on the same team. We're all on the same team. That's why whether you go to this church or another church, if you love Jesus, we're on the same team. And we are not in competition with each other. We are all on the same team, same mission, loving God and bringing people along with us. Amen? So you're, on, you're in a big C, but then you're also a part of a little C. A local church. This is the biblical model, and this is what he's talking about here. He's talking about this here. And you can't be a part of a local church without being a part of the big church. And let me just say this. You shouldn't be a part of the big church without being a part of the local church. Something will get missed. Something will get lost. And the maturity that we are looking for and desperately need is found in being an active part of the body of Christ. Say, Scott, you're just trying to sell this thing. You're the pastor. That's what you do. I get it. Let me show you this. Paul the apostle, he, this is all he's talking about in Ephesians chapter 4. He says the goal is maturity. The goal is that we're not blown here and there. We're tossed around like infants, we're just believing anything, we're not strong, or we get, and he says, let me show you how this happens, Ephesians chapter 4, I literally want to walk through this, I'm going to go verse by verse by verse, I'm going to go verse by verse, so if you're ready, say I am, all right, let's do this, Ephesians chapter 4, 
As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You have a calling. You have a calling on your life. Now, Paul the Apostle, who's writing this, he has a calling on his life, different from your calling. He had an apostolic calling. He was planting churches. He had, obviously, a New Testament calling. He's writing scripture. Different calling. But you have a calling. God has placed a calling on your life. Some of you, it may be to be a missionary to a foreign country. Some of you, it may be to be involved in a nonprofit that serves and helps people. Some of you, it may be to full-time ministry here at Summit Park or, or another church or go to Bible school or whatever, and we need you, all right? Come on, join us. Let's go. But all of us have a calling. Everybody say all of us. All of us have a calling to the body of Christ, and it looks like love. Look verse 2. Verse 2, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love. Oh, we just stop there, okay, for a moment. He says we got to be humble, patient, and then we've got to bear with one another. How many of you know there are people you have to bear with? And they're in the church. How many know there are some bears out there? that you have to bear with. He says, I, I'm calling you to love them. And then he calls us to unite. Look at this, verse three, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. Now this is where he goes and he starts talking about how we're all together. We're all in this. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Do you see a theme here? The theme is that we are one. And he says make every effort to be in that unity. Now, we're not one with everybody. Can we just be honest? This is, this is important to understand. As a believer, follower of Jesus, you're not one with everybody. You're not one with someone who has no regard for God, someone who's left God you know, completely off of their radar. You're not one with that person. You're not one with someone who would be a Raiders fan, praise the Lord. You're not, you don't have to, that's <laughs> sin. I mean, he says, it's out there. But you are one. If, you, if someone is a follower of Christ, then guess what? They're your brother, they're your sister. If someone loves Jesus, they are your family. They're your family. He says, we are all in this together. And he says, Paul says, this can happen because we serve one God. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, three in one. They are one and we are one. But he knows how hard that is. He knows how hard that is going to be because we're all so different. So you know what he says? Look at this. Make every effort. Come on, will you say that with me? Make every effort. Why do you think he would say make every effort? Because he knows how messed up all of us are. <laughs> right? Right? He knows and he knows that everything in this world, that the devil, 
that his power, that his influence is going to work against it. He knows your flesh is going to work against it. And there's going to be people you don't like in the church. Now, I want to be clear. I like every person in this church. I like every person in this church. But there are people that you won't like in this church. Right? That's just the way that it is. And he says, you need to make every effort because he knows how much our flesh is going to pull away. He knows they're going to say something. He knows they're going to do something. He knows they're going to post something that you're going to be like, I'm done. He knew 2,000 years ago that we'd be canceling each other left and right. And he said, make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit. He says, if you, if you don't make every effort, you will miss out on the maturity that God has for you. Let me just break this down for you. The plan of God, what's the plan of God? To redeem us and restore us back to Garden of Eden status, right? You know, we're all just, that's what we're getting back. We're getting back to how this thing started. Well, we're close to God. Nothing's interrupting. Nothing's separating us. We, that's where this ends for the believer. So in the meantime, while God is redeeming and restoring, the devil is disrupting and dividing. That's his work. God redeems and restores. The devil disrupts and divides. Can we see he has been working? That's what he does. He wants to disrupt you. He wants to get you off your game. And then he wants to separate you from the body of Christ. That's what he wants to do. And then, then once he does that, then he really brings it. And you hit a rough patch, right? You guys know, like, job goes south. Marriage is on the rocks. Kids acting crazy. And you don't know what to do, but because you have separated yourself from community, you've got nobody to turn to, nobody to look to, and you're on your own, and the devil has his way with you. So he says, make every effort. The, the word every is spudazzo. It's eager. It's that make every effort. It's do quickly, eagerly, with anticipation. It's kind of like pounce on it. It's like, a, it's like a cat. It's like a lion right before he's about to take out his prey. He gets down, and then he pounces as soon as he sees the opportunity. He pounces on it. Let me just tell you this. Every time you see the devil working to bring disruption and division to the body of Christ, you need to pounce on it. When you start seeing that start working your life and start feeling, oh, just all caught up in your feels and bitter and just, oh, man, you need to pounce on it because you need to see what's actually happening. It's the devil, and he's trying to mess you up, and he's trying to divide the church. And God says, make every effort. Now, in order to help us with this, he gives us some gifts. Verse 7, but to each one of us, grace has been given us. Now, that's not grace as we've been talking about, the grace in the gospel. That's different. That's a different kind of grace. That's actually a grace. So not the grace, but a grace. The word is charisma. It is like gift. 
So to each one of us, a gift has been given as Christ apportioned it. So he's saying every person gets a gift. You get a spiritual gift. Now, this is something that happens at salvation. So when you give your heart to Christ, God gives you a spiritual gift. And we'll unpack that here in just a few moments. But everybody gets a gift. And God also redeems the natural talents that he's given you. Now skip down to verse 11. Because Paul kind of takes a little diatribe there in the next couple verses. But come back to verse 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. These are the leaders of the church. So God gives the leaders of the church. And then he says, to do everything for everybody. No, I missed it there. (laughs) To equip his people for works of service. So God gives the leaders to equip the people for the works of service. So we are, my job, our job as the leadership team is, is to help you, to inspire you, to disciple you, to teach you about God, to show you his plan and, and help you understand who he is and help walk you through things. But then really what it is, is to get you so equipped and fired up so that you are doing the work of the, uh, of the Holy Spirit on this, on this planet. And the result is this, watch this. So that the body of Christ may be built up. So as we do our part, everybody gets built up. Now, some of us who are a little bit older might remember SNL back in the day and used to have Hans and Franz on there. Does anybody remember Hans and Franz? They were here to pump you up. Yeah, that's Hans and Franz. Young people, you can Google that. It would be a good time. The body of Christ is here to build you up. You are here to build that person up. And you are here to build that person up. The body of Christ builds each other up. Okay, then what? Now he gets to the part we read at the beginning, verse 13. Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. Isn't that amazing? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Everybody say, we will grow. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Is it knowledge? Is it Bible school? Is it more learning and just class? I got to feed, feed, feed. Is that what's going to make you mature? No. Clearly, no. What it is, is all of us doing a part to help build each other up. And then we all get stronger and we all get more mature because grace, the gospel works in us and then it works through us. Okay. That's Ephesians 4. I love this chapter. It's awesome, isn't it? It's awesome. Anybody think that it is? 
Okay, it's awesome. Okay, so there's four takeaways I want to give you really quick, really quick. Four takeaways from this. We just walked it through. Four quick takeaways that will help you understand how to exercise this work of grace in your life, okay? Number one is you're gifted. Number two is your gift is important. Number three is your gift isn't for you. And number four, you will be blessed as you use your gift. You're gifted, your gift is important, your gift isn't for you, and you'll be blessed as you use your gift. Okay, we're gonna just take a few moments, literally just a few moments to unpack this uh, but before we do, why don't you turn to that person next to you and say, I'm growing on up. Come on, tell someone next to you, say, I'm growing, I'm growing on up. Okay, number one, here it is. You're gifted. You are gifted. Verse seven, we talked about it. But to each one, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Jesus gives us gifts. Again, this happens at salvation. You, you do nothing for it. God just gives it to you. It's kind of like Christmas. You get a gift. 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 God was doing this way before Oprah, everybody. Way before Oprah. He just gives them to us. And there's lots of different gifts in the Bible. And when we throw some of these on the screen. These are some of the gifts that you'll find in the Bible. Uh, there's apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, service, exhortation, giving, leading, mercy, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, working of miracles, visions, discerning of spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues, helps, administration. These are the ones that are listed in the Bible. I don't believe that Paul is exhaustive in these because not in one setting does he list all of these. So when he's writing his letters that these are listed, he's just saying, oh, it's like this, it's this, it's this, it's this. I think if he was here today, it'd be like, some of you take pictures, and some of you, you know, are strategic thinkers, and some of you help out with social media, and some of you cook some really good food. Thank you very much. So I think there's like, there's a lot of room for gifts, but the point is you have a gift. It's a natural gift that's either been redeemed and used for supernatural purposes or it's a supernatural gift. There are some supernatural gifts like faith and like speaking in tongues and like gifts of healing and discerning spirits. And we could take a whole series and do a deep dive on these. I'm not doing that today. Maybe someday we will. But I just want to tell you, you could do, you could do a deep dive on this on your own to find out what your gift would be. There's even spiritual gifts tests that you can take, and it's, it's very helpful. But I just want you to know you're gifted. Second, your gift is important. Your gift is important. Paul, multiple times throughout his writings, will talk about the body of Christ as a literal body. Like, he'll compare it to a body. And in, in fact, in Ephesians 4, he does this, right? He says, from him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. you got to have every ligament attached and tendon attached and muscle working and bone in place as each part does its work. So he's talking about how we are all a body. And if every part is doing its part, then we all function like to optimum performance. But if any of us like say, no, I don't want to do my part, or if any of us say, no, I really wish I was one of those parts, then we're not doing our part, and then we're not doing 
our part. Does that make sense? Look at this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, again, it's the same language. Now to him, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. Now if the foot should say, because, and I'll skip down to verse 15. Now, but if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. You can tell even in Paul's day, we're talking about a church he started, they had some issues of comparison and competition. Someone's like, I wish I was a hand. A hand, a hand's always, a hand holds that microphone, and I'm just down here, and I got nothing. You know, I've got no platform, and there is competition. He says, listen, you're all part of this. He says, and if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason start, stop being part of the body. It's not enough for you to say, well, I don't want to be an eye today. No, you're a part, you're a part. So if you don't want to be and you just stop working, guess what? We just can't see very good. That's what he's saying. He's just saying, you're still there. You're still a part. <laughs> we're, just not optim- we're just not operating at optimum performance. He said, and plus, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But look at this, verse 18. But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. God puts us where he wants us. And if he wants you here, then he's got a place for you here. And he's going to use you and he's going to grow you and he's going to use you to grow other people. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. He says, it's going to take all of us working together to make this work. Okay? So you are gifted. Your gift is very important because we're not all us unless you use it. And then an understanding that is important to have is that your gift isn't for you. This is what's really cool about spiritual gifts and gifts and talents in general. Most of our, most of our gifts, certainly spiritually, are only, they're only able to be used to their optimum performance when we give them away, when we share them and give them away. As great as your gift is, if you hold on to it, it doesn't work very well. For instance, think about this, like our worship team. Zach, our worship pastor, Zach Kaufman, does a great job leading worship. But if he was at home every, you know, every day, every Sunday morning, he's just on his, on his bed, just playing his guitar, just worshiping. Be good for him. But we would miss out. We'd miss out, right? Or John Torgerson, one of the most friendly people on the planet. If you know Pastor John, one of the most friendly people legitimately friendly people on the planet. And, and how many know if, if John wasn't here at Summit Park, if he was just at home looking in the mirror? <laughs> hey, John. Hey, John. You're awesome. No, you're awesome. Number one, be very weird. And number two, we wouldn't be able to experience it. We would miss out. And he would miss out. He would miss out on sharing what God has given him. So each part is important, but it's only as we give it away 
And that's what we want to do. That's what, that's what the leadership wants to do. That's why we spend so much time creating opportunities for you to serve each other and to get into groups. We, didn't, we literally did not plan this message on groups launch, but it's worked out perfectly. But, but this is how the gospel works itself out. This is how you grow in the gospel. We certainly need to learn and we certainly need to have greater theology, but gosh, the, the smartest people in Jesus' day, the people who knew the most about God were the people Jesus was most mad at most of the time. You know why? Because they forgot the point of this. The point certainly is experiencing God and loving God, letting him change us, but then the point is giving it away and sharing. And as we do, we build each other up and we get strong and then we get mature and then we get deep-rooted and then we're not blown around and tossed around by all the crazy stuff that's going on out there. And saying, you know what? I'm going to lean in. I'm going to lean into Jesus. I'm going to lean into God and the family of God that He's called me to. And I'm going to bring people the gospel everywhere and every way I can. That changes the world. But it's got to start here. It's got to start here. And then the last thought is that you will be blessed as you use your gift. You will be blessed as you use your gift. And this is what he says, then we'll be no longer infants, tossed back and forth. And instead, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head. That is, that is Christ. God is building his church. And do you know who he's using to build it? His church. Whenever we have something to celebrate, 
they're jumping with glee right along with us. And whenever we are sick or have been dealt with a devastating loss, our life group is right there supporting us with a meal, a hug, a phone call, a card, and countless prayers. They are the best kind of listeners and support system that anyone could ever have. We are blessed beyond measure to be loved so much. We are spoiled by them and can't imagine our lives without them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great story, church? That's the power. And, and I bet you, I bet you, I bet you the devil can't work in that group. That group is strong. The devil can't get them off track because it's strong. The leaning into relationship. I want to encourage you to get in a group. I want to encourage you to get on a team, serve team. There's lots of ways we can do this. I don't want to be simplistic. I don't want to make this all about it only happens here. Again, big church. There's lots of ways this happens. The point is this. You have a gift. God wants you to use it to build the church up. And as we do, we will be strong. And next week, we're going to talk about the difference we will make in this world. As, we, as the gospel moves forward, but it starts right here. It starts now. It starts understanding love, serving each other, and giving and laying our lives down so that other people can find and follow Jesus. And as we do, we get mature as well. It's reciprocal. As you sow, you reap. As you give, you get. stand with me at both locations. I want to take a moment and I just want us to pray. I want us to pray about this. Some of you, as we get ready to pray, great, great opportunity for you to pray is just like, great God, what do you want me to do with this? Do you want me to, you want me to get in a group? Group sign up right after church. When we get on a team, we'd love to help you find a team. Come to the welcome party, we'll help you do that. Talk to one of the leaders, we'll help you do that involved in love your neighbor. There's so many ways. Find a need and meet it. And as we do, we will build ourselves up and build up the body of Christ. Let's pray. Would you lift your hands at both locations? Let's just take a moment. Let's in surrender to the Lord. Say, God, we're just excited about what you have. And Lord, I let I want you to have your way in me. Father, we love you. And we praise you and we glorify you and we thank you for the goodness of God. We thank you for the mercy of God. We thank you for the work of God that is working inside of us. Lord, we pray that your hand will be upon us, Lord. We are excited about what you are doing, what you want to do. And yet, Lord, at the same time, we know that as we step forward into this, it's going to mean us being open to you, speaking and using and challenging us. And so, Lord, we just pray that you would help us to be the church you want us to be. Let it start with us. Let it start with me. Help us to serve one another, to be there for each other, to be the church that, that you are calling us to. And Father, we thank you for it. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.